0: This episode is brought to you by 9AM Health. 9AM Health, diabetes care that fits your life. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Healing in Hindsight, your no source for thriving with diabetes. Taylor Danielle here, and I am glad that you are back listening today, watching. Yes, I got quite glammed up. I will say when I'm feeling either weird or if I need a pick-me-up, I play dress-up. I did that when I was a kid. I used to take bed sheets and make them into gowns. I used to love creating my own storyline to movies that I love to watch. Anastasia was actually one of the main ones. I think I spent quite a lot of time re-watching that movie and I was like Anastasia's little sister and we were running around and even though like she was the next person to be heir to the throne or whatever, like she ran off and got hitched with old dude and I ran the country. But you know that's not what happened in the movie. (laughs) But I felt like I needed a little pick me up. So I got a little glammed up today, so I hope you enjoy. Nice little sparkly things, but it's interesting that I wanted to get a little glammed up today because what we're talking about today can feel or sound heavy, and it's not. I think that this subject is not only fascinating, but it's something that I continuously work at, and that's shadow work, right? Now, I know some of you may be thinking, shadow work? Are you doing some form of magic, witchcraft, whatever? No. No. And a lot of people confuse the phrase shadow work as suddenly meeting something magical. Now, for some people, it can, but for the most part, it's actually derived from a famous psychologist, Carl Jung, on the parts of the psyche. I think my dogs are fighting. (laughs) Anyways, so it's something that I wanted to explore, especially as a diabetic, because the definition of shadow work. I feel like plays a huge role in any diagnosis that you have, honestly. So I wanted to talk about why doing shadow work can be beneficial, whether you're a diabetic or you're dealing with some other type of health condition that requires you to kind of pay close attention to it on a regular basis. And I, at least I feel like the more shadow work that I did, the more I unearthed things about myself that helped me do more and have better results in terms of managing my diabetes. So we'll get into that in a second, but I wanted to take a moment to let you know that I am starting a second show. I don't know if, you, I don't know if I'm gonna call it a podcast or not, but I'm pretty sure I'll take the audio and, and upload it as a podcast too, because it makes sense. But I'm going to be doing a live stream show called Is There Room For Me? And it has nothing to do with being a diabetic. This podcast is staying. It's not going anywhere. I love this show. I love the content and the people that I'm meeting in regards to finding the diabetic community and being able to connect with people about our diagnosis and learn from each other and still thrive, even though sometimes it feels like we're supposed to give up and feel like, woe is me, I'm a diabetic, life is over. Clearly not true. But diabetes is not who I am. It is something that I live with. And if you don't know, I have actually been building up my personal brand, Taylor Danielle, in order to create something that is more to who I am and actually speaks to what I want to represent. And so I told you guys a couple episodes ago about my new program, Expedition You, Journey to Your Best Self. And while I'm building that, I have been sitting on this idea, honestly, since I started healing in hindsight, when I was thinking about what I wanted to you know, do after I understood that I enjoyed podcasting and I liked that I turned Healing and Hindsight into a podcast versus keeping it as a blog. This idea kind of sprang forth around the same time when I was going to start it. But I wanted to make sure I could stick with it. I wanted to make sure I had a good flow with this podcast. And I know some people are like, why would you do a second show? What is that necessary? I'm on paper, I'm not doing the same kind of crazy stats that big podcasters who have multiple ones are doing. Don't care. And the thing about it is this live stream show is going to tackle two things that I'm passionate about. I say two things, but it's one thing, but it kind of covers two different areas. Let's go with that. The Is There Room For Me show is going to be a weekly live stream. It's going to be premiering on May 19th. I still have not decided if it's going to be a morning show or an evening afternoon show. I might try both to see how I feel, see how you guys respond to it. But essentially, it's talking about pure unapologetic self-acceptance. And instead of trying to fit in, and I don't know if you guys remember being in high school and getting out the lunch line and trying to find somewhere to sit, oftentimes I found myself sitting at my own table and my friends came to me. And it can feel like that in the world today, especially with entrepreneurship being such a constantly growing space and online work continuously growing, especially because of the pandemic. You can feel like, okay, somebody's already doing my idea. I don't even have a seat at the table to represent what I feel is important. And that's what I want to talk about. And that full unapologetic acceptance flows into confidence and body acceptance. And also in being able to go against what all the other people are saying and carve your own path. Because I've never been great at following the rules. Go figure. And I kind of feel like (sighs) there's been so many systems designed to see me fail that following the same rules as those guidelines feels like it's going to lead to some form of failure. If I constantly follow what everybody's piece of advice is, but not what feels good to me, how do I know that I'm actually going to get to where I want to be and see the results that I want to have? Not to say that people aren't out there teaching good shit. Don't get me wrong. Totally long intro. Sorry about this, but I wanted to share this, that I am starting a second show. It's going to be a weekly live stream. I'm excited about it. I'm probably going to repurpose the audio. So that way, if you don't get to catch me live, you at least get to hear what's talked about. It also gives me the opportunity to interact with people because when you're podcasting and pre-recording stuff, sometimes it's hard to get people to engage. I get it. There's so many distractions and so many things like wanting your time. And I feel like Livestream gives you an opportunity to connect with people, similar to Clubhouse. So is there room for me? Coming soon. I'll have more. Feel free to hit me up if you want to know more. But be sure to follow my personal Instagram brand page at Taylor Danielle to find out more. Let's do it. You're listening to Healing in Hindsight, your no BS source for thriving with diabetes. What's up guys, I'm Taylor Danielle, and it's my goal to help millennial diabetics like myself live an amazing life without your diagnosis getting in the way. I get it. I was diagnosed back in 2015 with type two diabetes, and it was really hard to find people around my age to understand how to travel, socialize, or even have meaningful relationships but i feel like with a focus on mindset perspective and nutrition together we can take back our health and our lives consider this the red table talk but for diabetics minus the entanglements though so let's do it okay so shadow work all right what is it what's it about why are you bringing this up (laughs) I I wanted to take a moment to kind of explain what it is, and I will clue you in that this week's guest is a full-on expert on shadow work. I'm excited to have her on, so be sure to stick around for Thursday's episode because we're going di- to dive way deeper into this with someone who teaches on this on a regular basis. But in the meantime, to get you prepared, if you are not familiar with shadow work, I actually found this great article from Connie Bolowski. I hope I'm saying your name right, but She is an online content creator and coach all around shadow work and other different types of creative outlets. Like seriously check this lady out. She's got a lot of great stuff. Her YouTube channel is resourceful, her blog is resourceful, and her Instagram has a lot of great snippets to help you out. But Connie wrote this great article that I feel like encompasses the layman's terms of what shadow work is without it being super overwhelming because the idea of shadow work was coined by Carl Jung, who is the famous psychologist who came up with the idea of introverts, extroverts. It, his work is the basis of the Myers Briggs personality test. So if you don't know who he is, definitely look him up. Seriously, so much knowledge, and it's crazy the type of people that have created so much insight and done so much research in our times. And he's kind of one of those people that if you could bring someone back to life, I probably would choose him as one of them so I could pick his brain on things. So I'm going to read to you a part of Connie's blog to give you an idea of what this is about. I'm going to summarize this. Again, this is not my work. This is definitely for hers. And I'll be sure to link this blog in the show notes because I think it's a great read. There's so much good stuff here. But I'm going to read the part that talks about what the shadow is. So Connie writes, when we talk about the shadow, we mean all the parts that we deny, hide, or reject about ourselves. Carl Jung describes the shadow as the hidden part of our human psyche. In his model of the psyche, it is the other side of what he calls the persona, which is the part that we show to the outer world, a mask that is intended to hide all our flaws and imperfections. It's called the shadow because it hasn't been captured by the light of our consciousness and because it has been banned from the surface of our visible life. Jung basically considers everything that is unconscious as the shadow because it is the scary unknown that we humans don't like to face. However, even if it is hidden, it remains a part of us and expresses itself in our personality and how we interact in the world and especially with other people. The shadow doesn't include negative aspects of our personality, but also positive ones. The things we idolize or adore in other people is unlived potential within us and also part of our shadow. In essence, the shadow is comprised of unresolved conflicts and problems, unlived desires and passions, as well as denied needs and wishes socially unacceptable behavior. And then she has a great video called Embrace the Darkness that she linked from YouTube, which I'll also put in the show notes for you to check out. It's not her video. But it's still a great depiction. It's about eight minutes long about the explanation of the shadow. I think this line summarizes it well that the shadow is, in essence, it's comprised of unresolved conflicts and problems, unlived desires and passions, as well as desi- denied needs and wishes, so- and socially unacceptable behavior. So, shadow work is addressing that whole list of things. So, the things that are deemed unacceptable the unmet desires and passions, the parts of ourselves that we're told is bad and we shouldn't uh, do or express or be or whatever. All of that is kind of put away into the little corners of our minds and left there. But do we ever actually address them? Because Something that I appreciate from Carl Jung is his uh, quote, and I'm butchering it right now because I don't have it in front of me, but basically your unconscious stuff will become your conscious stuff if you don't pay attention to it. Essentially, it'll sneak up on you and it'll seep out if you don't have control over it, if you don't understand it and navigate how to deal with it. My therapist actually did a great visual for me where... She drew like a seesaw. And on one side we have our shadow self, and on the other side we have our light self. And then there's that part in the middle that meets. And in order to have balance, you need a little bit of both, right? And so at times we tend to teeter to one side or teeter to the other side. uh, Neither can exist without the other. Neither is bad or good, they are. But society has kind of conditioned us to say one side is bad, And one side is good. But if we don't address the bad, it starts to build up. And suddenly, that light part of ourselves starts to be at the bottom part of the seesaw, and the dark, unfun stuff is at the top. Same thing with if we are addressing all of our shadow stuff, but we're not appreciating the good stuff either. I don't even wanna say good stuff, the light stuff. Sometimes it can be a little too much. I think of toxic positivity. When I think of too much light, too much it'll be okay, too much say a positive affirmation, too much of the stuff where we need to be human and recognize that things happen and it's not always sunshine and rainbows. So it's good to be right in the middle. Now, why is shadow work beneficial? Why you as a diabetic should you care? Well, because it affects every aspect of your life, I feel like how we have ups and downs with diabetes, how we have good days and bad days, some of those bad days, some of those things that we don't want to talk about or share, it ends up on the shadow side. And I feel like a lot of what we're seeing with people saying, hey, in the diabetic community, especially those of us who are in the online space and choosing to share our lives and our journeys, that there's not enough of the hard stuff. And to me, it kind of is the perfect representation of what people see as like, okay, we're putting all the dark stuff in the corner and we're not addressing it versus we're only showing the good stuff, the the good numbers, the good days, the us running around and traveling and showing off our CGMs and all of our good numbers and stuff like that. But we're not addressing the shadow stuff in front of people. Now, y'all heard what I said a couple episodes ago about comparing journeys and that sometimes it's okay if you don't want to share all the bad stuff. I feel like there's room to talk about it, but if in the moment you're going through some hard shit, I don't feel like you need to be obligated to turn on the camera, hop on a microphone, and say, hey, I'm having a shitty day. I wanted to share. So the reason why I feel like shadow work is beneficial is because it it addresses parts of ourselves that we lock away, and it can directly affect how we manage our diabetes. I will use myself for an example. So I realized that a big part of my diabetes management was not taking full responsibility and accepting my body where it's at in terms of how it looks, in terms of what it's going through, in terms of so many different things. Like I was diagnosed at a time where I felt my lowest, where I kind of hated myself because I felt gross. I felt unattractive. I felt like I was failing because I wasn't healthy and my diagnosis was a was proof of that, that I am in this bad spot and it feels like I'm never going to get out. And now I have something that basically is a constant reminder every day that I'm not getting out of this. And so it required me to do a lot of deep inner work on myself. Because until I accepted my body exactly as it is, where it's at, no matter What my desires are in terms of wanting it to look a different way or wanting it to be in a better health state, I needed to recognize that's not what's present right now and that is okay. And it pushed me to not only address my insecurities, which a lot of times can end up on your shadow side, but it made me understand that my insecurities weren't bad. A lot of times we think about traits of ourselves that the world doesn't deem as okay as suddenly bad it doesn't mean that they actually are it's that's what someone else has determined and that might not actually be the case so i see my insecurities now as learning points as areas of improvement where i need to sit with myself and understand the history and the root of why do i feel insecure about this and if we're going to continue with the body analogy it's because I grew up in a space where weight and how you looked mattered more than who you are. Right? Where my nanny's kids at. We were constantly surrounded by imagery of here's what is an acceptable beauty standard for you, Taylor. Because you're not meeting this beauty standard, there's no way that you can be valued or deemed as worthy of anything else because you don't fit this beauty standard. And especially in a time when representation is not as prominent as you would like, granted, I grew up with some representation, but it still wasn't very realistic. There's still a lot of choosiness in even minority culture of representation. And you still had to be super fit. You still had to have the small waist, the big boobs, the curvy butt and legs and all these other things. And you had to meet those standards in order for anybody to say, I can take you seriously. And even then, especially as a woman, it wasn't about being taken seriously. It was, you're pretty, that's it, that there'd be cute. So in order to realize that I was absorbed in standards that wasn't designed for me, I had to address my insecurities. I had to realize, you know what? I've been so hard on myself. I spent so much money on fitness guides, on nutrition plans, on all of these things that I never finished or followed or did it fit for my lifestyle? Because it wasn't designed for me. It was designed for an image out there that I don't fit. And so once I understood that, once I figured that out, it it let me exhale. It let me feel okay that like, you know what? There isn't anything wrong with me. And sure, I might want to tone up here and there, but it's not because of an image that I'm seeing on TV anymore or when I'm scrolling through Instagram. It is simply because I want to feel good in my skin and I know that the more that I do to optimize my body, the better that I'll feel. But I'm okay with me right now. Shadow work can bring you home in understanding what are the things that are deemed bad and why are they bad? Are they? Because they might not be. And it might be you need to understand a deeper level of, okay, how does this make people uncomfortable? And is this something that I should care about making people uncomfortable? So it kind of leads me to my next point. And shadow work has helped me set boundaries. Because if something that I say or do makes somebody uncomfortable, but it's not because I'm actually doing something harmful, then that might be somebody that I don't need to interact with. For example, I'm a sensitive person. Any sensitive Capricorns out there, where your heart is nails, but at the same time you're soft on the inside. You watch one love scene, and where like the guy's chasing her through the rain or whatever, and finally confesses he loved her, and then all of a sudden you're like bawling. Or anybody see the end of Mandalorian, season two? Yeah, I de- definitely cried. So that used to put people off. Me being emotional, me expressing my emotions, used to especially guys that I tried to date, they weren't for it. They didn't want that. They wanted someone who was pretty and sometimes aggressive and wasn't about being in love or anything like that. And so it made me feel like being someone who was emotional was bad because men weren't responding to me. It wasn't until I became aggressive and sassy and, you know, snappy and not that that isn't a part of who I am because I am, but at the same time, I'm soft and I'm sensual and I am a hopeless romantic and I love the mushy, gushy stuff. I do. I do. And it made me realize that I had to start learning to set boundaries with people and that if you can't accept that I'm emotional and that I need to share my emotions sometimes or sometimes I might cry, like then maybe we don't need to be associates because I shouldn't have to change that about myself to make you feel comfortable. Mm -mm, That's not how that works. And maybe that's a loose or not the best analogy, but it's the first one that kind of popped in my head because it's different for everybody. Stuff that makes you uncomfortable around other people, that's something that you have to check with yourself and might even lean into the realm of unconscious biases. But it's helped me set boundaries and understanding of like, okay, I know that when I see or hear somebody doing this thing, it triggers me. It makes me uncomfortable. I start getting angry and it's not even that person's fault that I'm angry. It pisses me off and then I start lashing out at people and I'm lashing out for reasons that they have no clue about. That's kind of what I'm getting at. So it has helped me to understand that when I come up against something that's a part of my shadow that is uncomfortable for me, it helps me understand, okay, you need to work through this, but don't throw yourself in a tizzy, right? So if this is something that makes you uncomfortable if this conversation, if this environment, if this movie, if this song, whatever, if it is bringing you to a place that makes you feel less than yourself, then step away, bring it back. And I feel like that was prominent in my social media consumption and my entertainment consumption, honestly, all around. I love hip-hop. I do hip-hop, R&B, all of that. And I am a big Megan Thee Stallion fan. Cardi, too. But there are moments where I have to kind of slow down on that. It's nothing that they did. It's sometimes the overly aggressive sexual woman, Black women, on top of that, Is too much for me. And not because I feel like they're doing it to fit a standard. I wholeheartedly feel like that's who they are, and that's great. I feel like more women should own their sexuality more and shouldn't give a shit about anybody else or what they think about it, or if it's too in your face, considering how objectified we've been over centuries, I think we deserve to be able to, if we want to talk about our sex lives or how we like to have it or whatever, we should be able to sit at the table and do it like men do. Another rant for another day. But I recognize. That sometimes when I'm listening to stuff like that, I start to get influenced by it in ways that aren't positive for me. And so sometimes I'm like, all right, I need to kind of shut that down. I need to step away from it for a little bit. I need to listen to music with no words right now or something chill to kind of balance that out. Same thing with like Instagram. I had to unfollow so many accounts that made me feel low about myself. And they're not doing anything but promoting their stuff. Some of the influencers that I used to follow, like, they're not doing anything to hurt me. They're living their lives. They have no clue I even exist. So it helped me learn how to cut things off, how to step away, even conversations with my family. Like, there might be some unspoken things that I feel like me and my family need to go through, but I've resolved those things within myself. But when certain topics come up, I have to limit how much I say and interact with. Not because I feel like I'm being silenced, but I recognize that. I'm not ready to go there or it's not the best place to go there and I need to respect whatever is being said and call it a day. And if it's still not for me, I need to excuse myself from the room or say, "Hmm, can we change the subject? Something like that. So recognizing areas of improvement, setting boundaries, and to me, shadow work, it gives you permission. And I know that sounds so weird because again, People tend to think that shadow work is like, I'm dealing with all of the awful things about myself. Not necessarily. Sometimes it gives me room to feel like this, this is a shitty situation to be in right now. And I am a crier, but I'm still working through giving myself room to cry because I still have this notion in my mind that crying is weak. And I don't mean crying like happy tears. I mean, like, I'm upset about something. I'm definitely that person that when I am mad, like mad, I cry. And it's partially because I'm about three seconds from like cutting your throat, but keep it reined in. But it's often misunderstood as, oh, look, I made her cry. Oh, look, she's weak, whatever. And that's not it at all. I feel so much rage. It needs to pour out some kind of way and tears is the way to go for me. So to me, doing shadow work gives me room to sit and be like, you know what? This is a bad situation or I am not feeling good right now. And I don't want to immediately fly into this stage of, okay, recovery. Recovery sometimes can be slow. Healing can be slow. And I feel like, especially with the wellness industry picking up and holistic wellness being a thing and mental health taking full on charge in the world, which I'm so happy about, but sometimes it can feel like the only answer is, well, you've got to push through it. you got to do it. you got to suck it up. And a lot of times sucking it up ain't the answer. It is, it is, you need to sit and feel that shit. It's okay. I, I have this kind of guide for myself that I give myself 2.5 seconds to be bothered by it and then I move on. Now, it's not literally 2.5 seconds. It means I give myself space to feel these emotions, to be okay with not being okay. Because when we don't feel like we're able to express ourselves, that's when stuff starts seeping out in moments that we're not expecting it to. I've definitely had plenty of times, and I don't feel great about this, but I'm working on it, where I get annoyed with my partner or a friend, and it's nothing that they're doing, honestly. Now, something that they did obviously triggered me, but it's because I'm repressing down so many emotions about something maybe that we had a conversation about previously or something that I didn't appreciate, or it might not even have anything to do with them at all. It's I'm holding down so much strain and stress. And whatever emotions that I'm going through, I can't hold it anymore and it's just spilling out. And so it makes things harder because, especially with stress buildup, we know we have to manage our stress levels well because it's diabetics. Anything that shoots our stress up makes our numbers go up too. It's what it is. And so if we don't allow ourselves to release that, And sometimes that doesn't mean, okay, I need to go, like, get a massage or something like that. Sometimes, like, I need to sit here and cry. Or I need to go on a walk where, in a nice park, where I can find a quiet space where nobody's around, where nobody's going to freak out and I need to yell. I'm a yeller. I know a lot of people don't like that. But I'm a yeller. And when I argue with people, I have to be careful because I'm trying not to yell when I do get in a heated debate with somebody. Because I recognize yelling is a reaction that people don't respond well to, my partner included. But yelling makes me feel good. right. Yelling makes me feel like I, it's a release. And so I have to find other ways to do that. Now, I do have a system with my best friends where I like I need to complain. I need to rant. I need to yell, kick, and scream. Can I please do that? Do you have the space to receive that? Yes. Because sometimes I don't need to call my friends for advice. Sometimes I wish that I could go off and I can't. And I need somebody to give me room to do that. So it gives you room to feel what you need to feel. So that way you can start the process of addressing it. And I do feel like there has to be a cutoff point, right? Because sometimes feelings, if we let them run too rampant, that's how we can end in dark spaces and we're not doing anything to come out of it. But I don't think we should ever shy away from feeling stuff because sometimes it's all we need to do. So my last two things are eh, they're pretty much the same, which is like deeper Connection to yourself and deeper appreciation of yourself. Shadow work can unearth a lot of stuff that you didn't even realize that you were holding. I realized through my shadow work that I not only care deeply about what people think of me, and I've worked through that, but it's more so my support system, my close circle of friends, my partner, my parents, my sister, their opinions of how I'm doing. And them being proud of me, them being respectful of the work that I'm doing, them liking the work that I'm doing, all of that matters deeply to me. And especially with two particular people in my life, because they, they have similar outlooks in certain areas of life. And it's something that I realized was a big weight on me in terms of being stable, because we, all, we always say that. You need to be stable. What does that mean exactly? You need to have a job. You need to have a car. You need to have a roof over your head. You need to have all your bills paid consistently. And you need to have money in the bank for savings. And you need to be stable before anything else. And that's not always the case. And these two particular family members of mine are people that I highly respect. And they're also people that I feel like are hard to... Impress, not, I don't even know if impress is the right word. It's hard to get reactions from them. I am very much a relational person. And so I read very much into, because I can read people well, like your reactions. You ever bought a gift for somebody and they open it and they're like, oh, thanks. And you put a lot of effort into thinking about that gift and wanting this, maybe even borderline emotional reaction. Because there's no better feeling than when you give somebody something. Like, oh my god, I love this. It's something I've always wanted, or I, appreciate. I wasn't expecting this. Ah, I'm that reactor because it fills me up with a lot of joy when somebody does something nice for me and I wasn't even thinking about it, or maybe I asked for it, but you know, I forgot, or, or whatever. Like, when people do nice things for me, I am a deep outpour of appreciation if it's something that I was interested in. Now, I'll admit, I've had some moments where I was like, oh, thanks, because. I couldn't connect with it. Whatever was given to me didn't fit. And I had to learn from my own need (laughs) of people reacting to not do that. That has led to every decision that I make. When I separated from my job, I was nervous about telling them. Because I felt like I was going to get a lecture. I felt like they were going to judge me. And thinking that I was crazy and thinking that it wasn't the best move for me, that trying to pursue content creation full time is a short term thing. It's not sustainable. You see all these other people making money online and doing all these things, but what makes you think that you can do it? Because insert a number of things of why someone that looks like me could not make it, right? There's a lot. There's a lot of weighted things that can make you feel like this is not a safe move for you. And. When I did eventually let them know, I was very shocked at the reaction that not only did one of them, they were okay with it. They're like, is not what my generation was grown up on. And then the other who is my age and who I highly respect is like, yeah, probably wouldn't what I would have done, but you do it. You go do the damn thing because if there's anybody that can do it, it's you. And I was floored. And the outpour of support from them has been so meaningful to me because I was going around in my head thinking like, they're going to lay into me. And it was such a release of, I had this expectation from past habits, from past instances of getting in trouble almost for doing something that I felt was right. And all of it told me was that people change, people learn, people grow. And I it took me taking these steps to put myself out there to realize that I had these insecurities and that I had these concerns and that I had this deep thing buried in me of like I don't want to let people down. Nor do I want to be criticized. But I'm more so care about not letting people down more than I do about being criticized. I've built up some pretty tough skin when it comes to criticism from strangers because it's like, you're not a part of my support system of whose opinions matter most. But even still, I have to be considerate of the fact that even their opinions can't have full weight on how I choose to make decisions on my life. They can be like advisory things, but they shouldn't be the ultimate thing. It has led to an understanding and appreciation of myself. And even especially thinking about to the, back to the blog article about unmet desires and passions. In doing shadow work, I've unearthed those unmet desires and passions, and I'm pursuing a couple of them. This show is one of them. The live stream show that I'm going to be premiering soon is another one of them. My whole course, I I honestly never thought I was going to go forward with creating a group coaching program at all. I was shying away from it, and I'm excited because more of about that is going to be coming soon and I'm nervous as hell because I it sucks if nobody shows up I launched my beta and nobody showed up but I'm okay I'm tweaking some things because I realized there were some parts of it that I didn't align with and that's okay and now that I've adjusted it I'm ready to throw myself back out there I I hope that makes sense I try hard to ensure that I'm articulating my thoughts in a way that makes sense (laughs) because Shadow work is... I barely scratched the surface on this, guys. Shadow work is is so deep, and it can share so much about yourself the more that you do it. And as a diabetic, a lot of our thoughts around medicine, around health, around how we live, come from places that we had no control over in terms of like societal programming, things like that. And shadow work can help you come to an understanding of how you feel about those things. Especially when you struggle with advocating for yourself with your healthcare team. That's something that I struggled with. And the more that I did work and understanding how I felt and not feeling heard, the more that I was clear on like, oh, so I'm reacting this way because I'm not feeling like my doctors get it. So I feel like everybody should do shadow work. I feel like everybody should take the time to understand who they are, why they do what they do, and the, the not-so-pretty stuff that we don't always want to talk about because the not-so-pretty stuff can shed light on more deeper things that you didn't even realize you needed. I'll stop there because I could probably go on about this. And I will say that If you are interested, again, I'll have the links to the blog post and to the YouTube video that kind of helps to explain it because no matter what, everybody has a day where they feel dark, where there's not a lot of light going on, where I don't feel bubbly, I don't feel glamorous, I don't feel like myself. And it's in those moments that those darker parts of ourselves come out. And the more that we can actually give ourselves space to feel those things and understand them versus putting them away because they shouldn't be seen, which isn't true. I think the more that we can come to terms with how we should go forward in managing and ensuring that we are giving ourselves the opportunity to express and to feel what we need to feel. And sometimes as diabetics, it's I had pizza three days in a row legit pizza three days in a row and it shot my numbers up to like 180 something I think I touched 200 once because I need to go grocery shopping and I'm waiting to get paid (laughs) and pizza was the cheapest thing that I could get because I need to eat and no it's not great but I know it's only for a few days and I'm not gonna feel bad or enjoying some pizza. Hopefully, this was helpful. Hopefully, if you've never heard of shadow work, it intrigues you to dig a little bit deeper and find out and learn how you can, you know, work with it. If you're uh, in therapy, ask your therapist about it. I bet you they know Carl Jung. Pretty sure they do. And let them know hey, I want to understand shadow work more. What, what exercises can I do? What journal prompts can I do to address some of these things? And you might be already be doing it and you don't even know it. I mean, that's kind of a big part of therapy is unearthing the dark stuff that we don't want to see. They don't always call it shadow work, but that's pretty much what it is. So you already know. Thank you very much for your time. I am still like feeling the high, if you will, of reaching 300 followers. I'll say it again. I know in the social media space, 300 followers is nothing. 300 followers doesn't compare to 3,000 or 300,000 or even 3 million. But I need you guys to know that I have no intention of rushing this Insta Fame thing, if that's what you want to call it. I like doing this. And yes, I want it to be a lucrative job, but I'm not looking to be nothing crazy. If I get there, do I want to make money? Yeah, but I care more about what this means and what this can mean for other people more than I do about dollar signs. I need the dollar signs, yes, but not at the cost of sacrificing quality, not at the cost of, oh my god, I keep getting DMs about paying for followers and likes and all these things. That's not worth it to me. To me, it matters more that I am receiving genuine people who are either interested in what I have to say, who want to support what I have to say, or who think I'm cool? <laughs> I think I'm cool. So, thank you, each and every one of you. And even if you're not following me on Instagram, but you're following the show, you're subscribed, you're listening to every episode as it comes out, it does mean a lot to me. So, you already know Instagram at healingandhindsight.com. Oh, well, Instagram at healingandhindsight. My website healingandhindsight.com. You can search YouTube healing and hindsight if you want to watch the video or check out IGTV. Instagram and YouTube are pretty much the two places where I'm living. Yes, right now YouTube is mainly where you can see the show. I am debating on doing some other types of diabetic related content on YouTube, but even so, Instagram and YouTube are the two places where you can find me most. And of course, I'll have more information for you at a later date for my live stream show. Again, go follow my personal brand at Taylor Danielle. Get more on that thank you guys so much and if you truly want to support the show and keep the lights on here and help me keep going and creating you can always head over to buymeacoffee.com forward slash taylor danielle and buy me a sugar-free drink i'd appreciate it until next time until next time guys